0: This is Cliffcentral.com The Daily Maverick Show on CliffCentral.com
1: Hi and welcome back. You're tuned into the Daily Maverick Show. Uh, uh, my name is Greg Nicholson and I'll be your host today. Your regular host, Kingsley Kapuri, is once away, once again away. I'm joined today by an old friend, an old colleague, and always a comrade.
0: Stop saying old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Many of you might know her, um, the Daily Maverick's former associate editor, and the current associate editor at Tissot Blackstar, which many people know as Times Media, Ranjini Munasami. Ranjini, how are you?
0: I'm good. I I feel like I have to have a different persona now. I'm like a posh, new business-like persona, is that rather how, is than that the how usual the maverick other side. style. Yes, you know, it's like very organized. People start work at specific times and finish work at specific times, unlike uh, <laughs> <laughs> the kind of laid-back uh, chaos. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that is that's the maverick. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for coming in today. Basically, I just wanted to hang out with you, but the only way I can like, spend time with you these days is to interview you.
0: Yes, I know. Uh we, we should we should actually do a recording like over drinks or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a few more stories might come out yes, I think Yes, I then. think so.
0: More than we intend to.
1: So, Ranjini, I want to talk a little bit about we're going to talk about the ANC today, and but I was reading one of your columns that I think it came out yesterday um on the the sort of sad recent recent passing of uh, Ronnie uh, Mamwepa, who I think many people Particularly people who've been around and been following politics for a long time would know as a government spokesperson for the likes of Sura Ramaphosa and Costa Zanil Zuma, Zuma, um, Dabo Mbeki, um, a former youth leader. Um, he spent a lot of time on Rob, oh, I think five or six years on Robben Island and reading your tribute to him. It made me think about, and also thinking about last week was Mandela Day where you attended an event and, and spoke about, um, former president, uh, Nelson Mandela, thinking about the recent pa- passing of Ahmed Katharada. It made me sort of reminded me of some of the, the sad state of the movement today. Mm. But before we get into that, I was just wondering if you could tell us about perhaps the first time you met Ronnie and, and what sort of a character he was.
0: Well, the first time I met Ronnie was um, in the early 90s that's why i, I the this thing about my uh, my age is becoming a real issue and uh, uh Greg was telling me uh before we ca- we came on air that um he was googling me and the first thing that came up was my age so obviously i'm giving it away by telling the story but um i uh, I met him in the early nineties and um uh you know the the n c was uh, bringing together at the time um you know people who who in in the, in the co- kind of communication structures uh, of the NC uh, after it was unbanned and the, what was then the Department of Information and publicity was holding communications workshops on on how the NC would uh, you know be co- communicating and uh, you know the, the the new kind of um, uh, the the environment where you know the the NC was emerging uh, from being in the underground to now being a political power uh, a political party in power and that's where I met him and from the very first moment I met him, you know, he was a complete and utter clown. Everything was a joke for him. Um, and, and you know, that's the, uh, until the last time I saw him, which was actually at, um, uh, at Amit Katra's burial in, uh, at the cemetery. And I keep, you know, I kept having to smack him to, to, like, keep quiet because he was making me, uh, you make me want to laugh. Um, you know, and, and we were at the gravesite. I actually wanted to pray at the gravesite and, and Ronnie kept dragging me around to people and, you know, say, telling us funny stories and things, but that's the kind of boisterous character he was. Um but I think what was significant about him uh is that he uh, you know this larger than life personality he was able to lend to the image of the NC um you know as a as a people friendly uh, 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 an organization that it was based amongst the people and you found that over the years by and large the ANC has lost that character of being in touch with ordinary people and you've only had a few be- and um, before Rani became a government spokesperson he was an ANC spokesperson mm-hmm. and you found at that time that he was he was so grounded in and rooted in the way he presented the ANC um, that it wasn't you didn't find this disconnect between the ruling party and, uh, and, and the people of South Africa, which is what has happened, what you found that, that has happened, uh, as, as time has gone by. And I think that's a real tragedy. Um, but once he, once he went to, uh, to government, and I think he was, uh, is, is in the presidency first. Um, look, the, the presidency of, uh, President Mbeki was very sophisticated. Um, and, you know, uh, I think, Ronnie, at uh, that, uh, that, initially, um, uh, he, he kind of struggled to 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 bridge over from b- being an NC spokesperson to to uh the uh, a spokesperson in the presidency because, um, you know he 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 was very much that kind of informal character, but he quickly took to it, um, and um, and then after after that, uh, uh he he changed over to the Department of International, uh, which was then uh Foreign Affairs, but he. Uh, I think he was able to make the switch um, to to create a kind of professionalism um, that you, you you struggle to find now in in the government communication service because people um, in, in, I think government communicators by and large um, see it as a, see their, their positions in government as being a platform to profile themselves rather than the work of government. Um, and, uh, you know, it was some, uh, because uh, uh, a few of us knew Ronnie so well when he first uh, joined government in the presidency and uh, and in, in foreign affairs, you know, we'd tease him ha- about how he would, he would start interviews or uh, how he'd start his statements. For example, he'd say when he was at foreign affairs, on behalf of the people and government of South Africa, I would like to express... And as soon as he said that, like, a couple of us would burst out laughing because, you know, it was so funny for him to... To, to be able to take on that persona. But I must say that throughout, um, you know, with all the, the responsibilities, he was an absolutely delight, a delightful character. He did not think himself as being bigger than the job that he was doing. And I think a lot of people can learn lessons, not only government communicators, but politicians. Um, you, that I think that uh, some, some of the people who are now in the national executive committee of the ANC and, uh, who serve in cabinet, uh, you know, see themselves as being demigods. Um and Rani uh was in a you know in 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 a, sec, a section of the NC uh that i i think it was in a kind of an exclusive league uh people who served on Robben island uh people who served in the in the democratic movement i uh, was served in the department of information and Publici- publicity but remained rooted uh and grounded and uh, i think he never ever sought affirmation from anybody he um he he knew that he had his own liberation credentials mm-hmm. and he didn't need it from the, the people he served, and I think that was the distinction between him and the entire cohort of people who are serving the government communication structure now.
1: The passing of uh, some of these ANC leaders, as well as we've seen how some of the some of the party's uh, most respected veterans have been treated recently and insulted by by President Jacob Zuma, um, is such a stark reminder of where the party at now. It sort of hits you in the face when mm. you when you think of these these. Um, guys, guys who passed, past leaders. I think l- looking at the ANC and how it's currently essentially on life support. Um, you wrote the other day that Secretary General Guedemontasha's, um, diagnostics report, which, which mentioned, I think the Guptas, or I don't know if I mentioned them by name, but at the policy conference, when need to sort of, you know, it was a sort of frank admission about some of the challenges the ANC is facing, but you wrote that I think it was like, like putting a, a bowl of milk out for kittens. Um, I think it's important that we actually look at what do you see as, if the ANC is on life support, what is your prognosis of where the party is currently at?
0: Yeah. Look, the, the, the ANC is in, in really serious trouble. And I think, um, the biggest reflection of that was the outcome of the policy conference because, um, the first two days of that policy conference was ostensibly to deal with the problems, um, and to confront, you know, what they like to refer to as challenges. So how that came about was that the stalwarts and veterans had initially asked for consultative conference. Um, but because of a fallout, uh, they wanted, wanted a dealing from the, the policy conference. So they didn't attend, but the NC decided to do it anyway. But, um, as you say, you know, the, the, the diagnostic report by the secretary general, um, was just kind of, Delicately approaching Some of these issues Um, And even then There was a pushback Mm. From some of the delegates Some of the provinces Who didn't want That report discussed And the fact that The NC can't even Confront its problems You know that it actually Has a debate about Um, uh, debating the challenges just shows how messed up the organization is. So, um, yes, he did, he did broach some of the subjects, but he was talking about state capture and the Guptas as if it was isolated from the NC and from the NC government. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, uh, you know, drawing the, the line to where it logically concludes as to uh, who it then who they then corrupted. So, you know, it's, it leaves the, the issue hanging. Um, and, you know, the, 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 there is some admission from the ANC about the Guptas and about state capture. And, you know, there was this call from the policy conference that there should be a judicial commission of inquiry. But again, it doesn't say, A, who did they corrupt? B, who is implicated? Um, uh, and C, who should call the Judicial Commission of Inquiry urgently? They say that it needs to be called, but the person who has the power to call it was sitting amongst them at that policy conference. Um, So President Zuma has the sole powers to, to appoint the Judicial Commission. The former public protector recommended in her state of capture report that he appointed. So you have this really bizarre situation where there's consensus about the Judicial Commission, but nobody is bold enough uh, to say to the president that you actually have to appoint that uh, commission now. So what he's done is he's taken the public protector's report on review because he doesn't agree that the the uh, chief justice should appoint the judge uh, that heads his judicial commission. And the reason that Tule Madonsela did that is because there's an obvious conflict of interest because President Zuma is implicated in the allegations of uh, state capture. Now, there is no willingness or ability of the NC to confront that very fact. So you know, it's um, like blindfolded mice running around, uh, you know, uh trying to find the cheese. Um, but you know, the, 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 all they need to do is take the blindfold off. If yeah, mice are cats, capable, cats
1: and mouse metaphors. Y- yes, yeah, no. <laughs> The ANC always seems to do this. They're actually, you know, if you read some of the documents, some of those policy documents, they're quite good at recognizing, you know, issues within the party, recognize them, uh, recognizing even the broad issues like corruption, gatekeeping, social distance, their arrogance, the lack of accountability and imposing leaders, issues like that that they're quite frank about that, but they always do, you're right, they always seem to speak about it in broad terms, rather sort of like like they're writing an essay on another political party rather than like they have to actually act on these things themselves.
0: Yes, and that, I think, is the age-old problem of the ANC, where it knows what's wrong. And, um, you know, they, uh, it, at every single ANC conference, you find that they know what's wrong. So, for example, at the, the uh, National General Council in uh, in 2015, um, back then already they, they were acknowledging that, you know, there's a, there's a sharp decline in membership numbers. If you remember the, that famous clip of uh, President Zuma reading the membership numbers and tripping over them, that was actually to do with the fact that he was actually pointing out uh, in that clip, that there was a sh- there is a massive decline in the NC's membership numbers and was a, a problem and if anything, that was flagging that they were going to have a problem at the local government elections, that um, p- their own membership members were turning away from the NC, but they never heeded that call, so they got kicked in the butt in the in the local government elections. Um, so it was too little, too late um, after that elections to say, yes, we know there are challenges, we know there are problems, we've listened to the people, we're going to deal with it. But between then and now, what has happened? If, if anything, the problem. Have gotten worse because now there's this mountain of allegations around state capture, and you find that the NC is still running away from those issues. Um, you have, other than the uh, the the call to appoint this judicial commission, what else has the NC done to confront these problems? They haven't done anything. So yes, they, I you know I think that um, even the
1: call seems a bit false.
0: It, it's false because they, who are they calling on? Uh, they, they, they could have said, or, or their, their their final resolutions could have said, President Jacob Zuma dropped that review so that there is no uh, unnecessary delay in this judicial commission um, and let the Chief Justice, Justice appoint. You know, I think that Chief Justice um Mohueng is savvy enough. To be able to recognize that yes, there is a problem here that, um, the, the, the president does have the sole responsibility in terms of the constitution to appoint the judicial co- commission, but the circumstances are extraordinary around this case because he's implicated. So I think that it, you know, I, the, the president here said that there, there's a situation where there's, um, uh, that it create a bad precedent. If the, 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 the president doesn't appoint the judge and let somebody else do it. But I think if the Chief Justice is then given the liberty to appoint the judge, he himself can then make a ruling. That will will set a precedent, uh, or, or that that will clarify that this is not going to be the situation for every single president and every single judicial commission that, that 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 is appointed from here on. That the circumstances are extraordinary in this case. Therefore, I, as Chief Justice, stepping in in this matter and this matter alone, I'm appointing so and so as a judge. But this is doesn't is not a binding situation. And I think that will settle the situation. You don't need to wait until even the uh, high court is going to review this matter um, and then wait for this judicial commission to be appointed, uh, you know, whenever it is in, at the end of the year or next year. And, and we'll never, ever get to the bottom of this uh, this issue of state capture.
1: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Daily Maverick Show uh, with me, Greg Nicholson. And today we've got TISO Blackstar Associate Editor Ranjini Musami. Ranjini, what you're saying reminds me of something you wrote last week in a column. Um, you were speaking about the untouchable presidents, so speaking about Thabo Becky's presidency, now Jacob Zuma's presidency, and how we're in the process of creating a new monster, that where history is going to repeat itself. How does this process work within the ANC?
0: So... You know, the, the thing is that I, I was writing this in the context of the current, uh, succession battle, uh, where you find factions of the NC rallying around different candidates, um, and projecting these people as the answer to the NC's problems. Um, but what happens is that after these people become NC president, um, both in the case of Tabo Mbeki and, uh, Jacob Zuma, is that where the NC falls down is that it has no mechanism and or no system to hold their account uh, their, uh, their their presidents accountable. Um so while they they put out um this message that the ANC president is merely a caricature that implements ANC policy that in fact is not true because we've seen in the case of President Mbeki and President Zuma that they create their presidencies in their own image so you found with with Thabo Mbeki that the presidency and the administration was a hard machinery um and you know it was very kind of technically orientated and where things went wrong is that there was a disconnect between uh, the the administration and the people they 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 served um and that's what what created the perception that uh, president baki was disconnected from the people then in the case of, uh, of President Zuma, is that, um, you know, when, uh, as soon as he came, you know, he had this image of being the people, people's president. But then what he did was just lost control of the presidency. And, um, you know, it, and then the, the presidency and the, and, and the government, um, machinery got molded as, um, a, a system that can be corrupted, that was open to corruption and, and open to manipulation from, uh, particularly the people who who had access to him and people who, who, who were his friends. So you, you found that more and more the bureaucratic system was compromised. So in the case of the, um, the Vat of, um, Air, air, air base uh, landing that the the system that was in place there was compromised and manipulated to serve the agenda of his friends and now as you see the i mean on this very day the hearings in parliament going on uh, about how um like for example uh, prasa and transnet and uh, escom um were manipulated and corrupted to serve the agenda of his friends so what you're going to have now is in December is a new president who is elected, whoever this person is, uh, will then be given the space to, um, uh, uh, you know, to, to structure the ANC firstly around their own image, and if they're then elected as president of South Africa, the same thing will happen. But the question then arises is how does the ANC hold this person to account? Because you've seen with President Zuma in particular. Is that he refuses to, uh, to, to account to the ANC or anybody else, to parliament, um, or, you know, to the public protector, to anybody. He just doesn't want to answer questions. So unless the ANC, um, is able to screen the people that they have now who are contending for the presidency to say, what is it that you will bring to this presidency? And then after the fact, after they're elected, they hold them to account Mm. to those very things. Um, then you know they can mark them according to that, and they can say then at that stage, Mr. President, sorry, you 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 undertook um, to uh, appoint this judicial commission, for example. Where is it? Where, where, what is the holdup? Or with whatever issue, you know, whether it's um. National health insurance, or anything else that they undertook to implement, where is it um, and and that is why if unless the NC does that, uh, you could very well have this larger than life figure again that you you struggle to to then rein in
1: and how does the party change or or this new new president, whoever it may be, change the party's systems when let's be honest they're probably going to be elected on the basis of factionalism and slates.
0: Yes, that's true. Um, you, you're gonna have, um, uh, one or another faction emerging victorious in December. Um, and those people will then bulldoze all the other factions. Um, and, they, and therefore, you know, the first and foremost, the, the thing to do is to settle into power, um, to, to make sure that they arrange the NC, um, uh, and create a relationship with the state where they are in control. And once that starts happening, that that process then overtakes any attempt uh, to set in place a process of accountability.
1: There are some ANC members, um, if you look at MPs like Makosi um, Koza, um, Pravin Gordon, you look at the Alliance Partners, SACP, Kasatu, who are speaking out on these issues. You, uh, I think it was last week, you sat down with Derek Anikom, the former tourism minister who everyone knows, was removed in the late night cabinet reshuffle in March. And from what I read from your article, he seemed, I got the impression that he felt it's either we save the party and, and stop its decline right now or it's going to be too late.
0: Yes. You know, the one thing that was particularly significant in what Derek Hanukkah was saying was that his axing from the cabinet had nothing to do with his performance as a cabinet minister. And I think that's really tragic. If you look at people like Praveen Gordon and him and the loss, um, to, uh, the country, the last two, uh, to the state structure, where you have people who are actually dedicated to their jobs and were doing, performing well, um, in the state system. Um, and w- when you have a situation now where we have multiple downgrades, uh, 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 uh of our credit rating system, you have a, a fact that our economy is in recession, um, it is, you know, really tragic that you don't have people who are capacitated, uh, to be able to, to, to correct the situation. Um, and, uh, you know, he was saying, obviously his focus now, um, is, uh, is like everybody else in the, in the leadership of the, and he's an, a member of the National Executive Committee. He's a, he's the chairperson of the NC Disciplinary Committee. Um, so he's in a unique position, uh, to be able to judge what is happening as, as one of, uh, uh, the senior leaders of the NC. And he was saying that, um, even if you have to, uh, defy decisions of the NC National Executive Committee. So for example, the the decision that the NEC took on voting in the motion of no confidence. If the objective is to ultimately save the organization from disaster, then it would be justifiable and defensible. Um and that is really significant. Um that somebody in his position was to chair of the disciplinary committee, uh saying something like that. Uh so While
1: others are calling for guys just like him or cause for more more example, um, to be disciplined.
0: To be disciplined, yes. Um, so you know, it's it's a rather extraordinary situation in the NC now. But I think one uh uh interesting uh thing that we need to watch for in this motion of no confidence, uh, whether it's a by secret ballot or not, is. Uh, After everything that is said and done and everything that President Jacob Zuma has done and other senior people in the ANC have done, whether in fact that the ANC will try and discipline people and on what charges this will be. Um, Because that, I think, will lead to the ultimate breakdown. Hmm. Um, You know, if the ANC, out of a sense of vengeance and, uh, you know, throwing itself on the rails once again to defend the president, uh will take action against people who are acting according to a conscience and are acting in, in 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 an effort to try and save the anc um so i think you know and particularly because it's happening in this year where you know there's this high stakes game in terms of the succession battle how many people will actually go through it so for example you had in the last few days lndy Sulu i um, making some very bold statements on President Z- uh, Zuma about, um, you know, that he should be held to, to account whether she, in fact, uh, whether by secret ballot or not, uh, would vote against him after what she said. And if she doesn't, what does that do to her campaign? Equally for Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa, he's been speaking speaking out rather strongly on the issue of state capture, uh, and uh, on on the Gupta's and uh, on 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 the decline of the ANC. So, in a situation of a motion of no confidence, where does he stand? And if he votes to protect the president, what does that do to his campaign? Because he he might survive in the ANC, he might even become president of the ANC. But what then happens to them? Uh, all of them, uh, in terms of their standing once they start campaigning for the 2019 elections.
1: You mentioned some of the ANC presidential hopefuls, um, Lindue Sasulu, who, who accepted her nomination and began her camp- campaign on the weekend. Sil Ramaphosa, there's obviously Zuma's favorite candidate, um, and course, Zana Tlamini Zuma. There's also others like, uh, Matthews Posa. Is Bulek Mbete still running? I'm not sure. Um, but...
0: I think she's running backwards today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are there any signs that we should trust any of these potential ANC presidents with transforming the party and turning it around and getting it back on its feet?
0: You see, I think that their focus at the moment is trying to bridge the divide between the factions because they know that that's the only possible way that they uh, could possibly survive uh, you know, in the succession race, is not uh, to be too contrarian. So, you know well I think uh Matthew Posa is to an extent. You know, he is um he's taking a stance of being extremely critical of the entire uh, NC leadership. Um and you know, he's
1: uh He almost he, has been since his yes, failed bid in twenty twelve. Twenty twelve,
0: yes. So, you know, he's uh, he's been lashing out at everybody. Uh whereas with the with the others they um trying to um, yes, they are uh, speaking critically about the problems in the NC, but they are trying not to be too much uh, of mavericks um, in the way they're doing it, Um so as to keep some of the people in the other factions on side, who are, you know, some people who are concerned about the state of the NC, who are worried uh, about the outcomes in December, and are particularly worried about how the NC will fare in the 2019 election. So they're trying to, to keep them on board um but it's becoming more and more difficult for them to do it because they tend to look like hypocrites um so for example yesterday I was listening to um to Lindiwe sasula being interviewed in a radio interview on, a, on another station um and she was struggling to um to be able to navigate the issues that she she claims to stand for in her campaign and at the same time defend the things she uh, she she kind of justified after the interview is Conference. Um, so it's really difficult for them to be able to straddle all of this. Um, and I think that, you know, all of us need to bear in mind that in politics, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, you can hardly uphold principle um, and print people's, uh you know they 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 change their principles change their stances change their factions change and their personalities change um so you know you're going to i think there's going to be a a, a lot of confusion um in the next few months um as you as you know people will say but a few months ago you said this what do you mean by that um and you must remember that in politics uh, as in war and really in love nothing <laughs> is fair <laughs>
1: This is Ranjini Munasami, is giving love advice to all the Daily Maverick listeners. So we don't have much time today. We're going to let you go in about two minutes. But very quickly, we've got a couple of questions on Twitter that I just want you to maybe spend just 30 seconds on each or a minute on each. Mpumalanga ANC, uh, with, its, with its leader there, Dave Nobuza. We, which way is that going? Because we used to think that he was very much a part of the Premier League backing Zuma, which would suggest he would back in to Tlamini Zuma. But lately it looks like he's wavering a lot and... Could be a kingmaker come come December.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Didi Mabuza and uh, the Mpumalanga leadership of the ANC is very much the amoeba in this uh, in the succession race because you know they keep changing shape and form, and um, and it's, and it's uh, difficult to kind of keep track. So uh, Mpumalanga was previously in the um, in the Premier League. Um, you, uh, you know, Along with uh, Esma Khashule and, uh, and the Free State Leadership and the Northwest Leadership Under uh, Supra Mohamed Pelo uh, But you found that he's been Trying to wheel and deal um, With uh, people in the Serra camp. camp um, And that you found that people were Quite p- confused at the policy Conference when he decided That there should be the discussion On Gwede Mantashe's report because I think um, the supporters of President Zuma and Lamini Zuma uh, were were pretty much against a discussion on that report, and they were quite stunned. We. Um, he decided that the report should be discussed, um, and the allegations of state capture should be discussed. So that shows that he was warming up to Deputy President Sir Ramaphosa's camp. Um, and there have been, um, uh, you know, uh, rumors that there have been these behind the scenes talks with uh, with, this, uh, with the Ramaphosa camp, and that he is trying to negotiate a position on that on that slate. Uh, so yesterday there was a meeting between the. PWC of uh, the Provincial Working Committee of KwaZulu Natal and Mpumalanga and you found, uh, the ra- rather amusing statement coming out from the two chairpersons, uh, Chair Sishulet Zikalala and Didi Mabuza yesterday saying, uh, we are calling on the Guptas to please give the NC the space to lead. Um, you know, it's, it's so ridiculous. It's so bizarre that the ruling party has to ask a family for space to lead the country. <laughs> um, I, you know, and, and that just shows that, um, that KZN would ordinarily not have said anything like that on their own. It shows that they were, um, they were very much muscled into that position by Mpumalanga because they are desperate to keep Mpumalanga in their camp. But I think that they are sensing that Mpumalanga is now uh, straying onto the other side and, um, and they are battling to, to retain their support. Um, and I think that, um, Didi Mabuza is playing uh, a very interesting game. Uh, but the problem with all these kinds of games is that he could end up with nothing. Um, because, you know, the, the more he dabbles with, with these factions, um, the more he opens up his constituency to be, being lobbied on their own without him. Um, so you could find that KZN starts going to the branches or to the regions and making deals there. And the, the, the Ramaphosa camp could start doing the very same thing. He needs to be confident that from start to finish in this, uh, in the succession race, he's got his entire province, uh, sealed, signed, sealed and delivered to, to, um, uh, be able to vote as a, um, you know, as one single province. So every single Person, every single delegate from Pumalanga is going to, to vote in, this, in the same way. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, you know, branches are there, or branch delegates come to the NC conference to represent the mandate of their branch, not of their provincial leader. So if branches are swayed, by one side or the other side or the third side um who 's to say that they're going to follow the, the what their leader tells them to do so it's an, a very interesting game this um but Didi Mabuza seems to think that he he's got his um his province locked um i don 't know um as you see with the free states for a long while the the free state premier uh, premier and um Provincial chairperson, Ayes Makhashule, claimed the very same thing with his province. But you see now that, um, his deputy is making a bid from, for, for, uh, to, to co- compete with him for the position of provincial chair. Um, and he seems to be, uh, backing, um, the view that, um, that Ace Makashule will not make a good Secretary General. And that's the position that uh, Makashule wants. And he needs his province to stand behind him. And they're not. Um, there's now a split. Um So that's going to be very interesting, both for uh, the Northwest and the Free State, is whether, uh, and, and obviously with Mpumalanga, whether what these pro- three provincial chairpersons have promised the Xuma camp, they can actually deliver.
1: Now, let's hope for... Because uh, I know you have to get back to work. So this time, maybe you can give me much briefer answers, <laughs> unless you want to go on. What's the story with J- this amnesty idea for Jay-Z? Is it possible or not? It's
0: not possible. It's not legally possible. There's nothing within the South African legal system that allows for political amnesty without the person um, uh, acknowledging that they had committed crimes um, and without, um, the, the kind of criminal charges being laid out. So you can't have somebody say, being offered this amnesty, uh, just, you know, with saying for whatever crimes you have committed, um, you know, we, we, you, you won't be prosecuted. So anybody who is trying to present this, um, this proposal as, um, uh, as being feasible is actually misleading uh, the journalists and misleading the South African public that it's possible because it's not legally possible. Um, they can possibly strike a deal with Sean Abrams, the current national director of Public Prosecutions, to say he won't proffer charges against President Zuma or whoever else. But who's to say that the next president of South Africa, whether it's an NC president or an opposition president, is going to keep Sean Abrams? So that deal that that Sean uh, Abrams undertake won't be relevant to any other national director that comes about. So the president could be charged in future So it, it makes absolutely no sense to have this amnesty
1: And have, with, with, with all these challenges in the ANC Have any of the opposition parties been able to capitalise on this And do you think that they're benefiting off it when they're looking towards the 2019 national and provincial elections?
0: I think that they, there's very much a watch and wait situation from the opposition leaders. I think that they they dip in and out, um, you know, on the issues, but I think that there's very much an appreciation amongst the opposition leaders now that the NC is at war with itself and they need to maximize on it. But they are doing so within the context of this motion of no confidence. And I think that's where the game is being played now. Um, you know, to be able, and I think that very, they've gone very much underground to be able to speak to ANCM, uh, MPs on the down low, um, to be able to convince them, uh, mm-hmm. to come on board, um, and to, to, act according to conscience. But I think the one person who's been really outspoken is they've uh, been the EFF leader, uh, Julius Malem, and I think that's because of, also because of the fourth anniversary of the EFF. So he's been speaking, you know, doing several interviews, he's been speaking publicly on the issue, and he's been profiling himself as a possible future president, um, of the country. But um I think that um, when you see with Musi Maimani, he's very much been uh, concentrating on on DA campaigns, and um, I think that you uh, you know from next week on, as the momentum builds before the motion of no confidence, I think you're going to find that uh, you know they're going to be speaking out much more vociferously about the state of the NC and the chaos that exists in the NC right now.
1: Ranjini, thank you so much for coming in once again.
0: My pleasure.
1: You've been listening to the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. Download the podcast, share it far and wide, and tune in next week.
0: The Show on This is Cliffcentral.com